Anyway, we want to look at a particular topic today that I believe is a new topic to um, 
we're going to be looking into. As we're actually praying and fasting, I believe we should look into that. And um, usually when we hear about these topics of prayer and fasting, the first thing we ask this I know about prayer and fasting, I, I'm doing it right now, so I don't really want to be hearing from That's how I feel. <laughs> but I want to bring something to you that will really help you and really bless you because this has really blessed me. And, you know, we've got um, two um, times like this that we're going to be doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting, you know, throughout this year. And I, I don't want us to, to look at fasting as um, something that, oh my goodness, like a plague. Like, I know I've, I've, I've said, oh my goodness, it's like fasting again. But, but trust me, there is something really special about fasting that if we really grasp the, the, the secret of it in terms of the power that it can release, because there's a lot of things that in our lives that there's nothing else that can actually change a thing except prayer and fasting. Do you remember what Jesus said that, well, why couldn't the, the disciples came to Jesus and the disciples said, why couldn't we cast out this demon? But Jesus says, this type, this kind, does not come out by prayer, only by prayer and fasting. We know that prayer is a powerful thing in itself. Because the scripture says in the epistles that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We know that it is powerful. But when it is coupled with fasting, we're going to, so it will bring a different dimension. And there are a lot of words to describe or to communicate what the impact it will have. But when you begin to pray and fast and call upon the Lord, and you call upon Him from a stance and from a heart that is wanting to see His will, and from a heart and from a stance that is, you, you recognize your spiritual poverty, you recognize your spiritual state, you recognize that without Him you can do nothing, you recognize that it is by only by Him that we live and we move and we have our being. And so it's with that I really want to encourage us today with prayer and fasting to, to take it on board because this is not the only time that, you know, as I said, there's going to be two sections, there's going to be two times throughout this year we're going to be doing it. But as the Spirit leads you, I, I want you to take it on board, take it on board, take prayer and fasting on board and let the Holy Spirit just pray through you and, and minister um, and, and you can see those breakthroughs that you are looking for. So as we know, prayer is, is spending time with the Father, it's a two-way communication, it's not a monologue, it's a dialogue, we know that. We know that fasting is setting aside so um, setting aside, some, um, aside what your body enjoys um, so that you can grow spiritually. Those things that you really um, enjoy indulging in, we set it aside. And what we are saying is, is that when we bring the prayer and the fasting together, what we're saying to God is, is that God, we are in desperate need for you. We need 
fasting. Because when you look at it, do you remember when Jesus was tempted? The Bible says that he was, he was baptized. Then the Bible says how the Spirit led him into the wilderness. He was led into the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. And then the Bible says like how he was tempted of the devil. It says, if you are the Son of God, this. If you are the Son of God, that. But then the devil recognized that he had a ministry to bring to this earth. He was going to bring change and bring um, transformation to this world. And so the devil sought to get him to bow down to him. And But Jesus was focused. He recognized that he had an assignment to do. He recognized that he had to um, serve and do the things that will honor God as a man. Even though he was God, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. He, the Bible says how he humbled himself. He humbled himself. He laid aside his majesty. He came as a man on this earth. And the enemy knows that when we tap into the prayer, this, this thing of prayer and fasting, and we do it so frequently, we will see tremendous changes. Tremendous changes. Now, God has provided us this means so that we can draw closer to Him, so that we can see the lives of others transformed, so that we can see people healed, so that we can see families healed, marriages restored. We can see crisis is averted. We can see uh, so many different things. But one of the things that fasting does is that it humbles our soul. It humbles our soul. And that area of our soul definitely, we, we all need to, we need to have, the Bible says this, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may um, exalt you in due season. The scripture also talks about like how pride become, um, comes before a fall. And that's, you know, when you think about it, this is one of the, the first things, the first sins that took place in heaven. Do you remember when Lucifer sought to exalt himself against God? It didn't take place here on earth. It took place in heaven. And if this is taking place in heaven, on earth, we all are battling with this thing. We are battling with an area, in this area of in our soul, that we seek to want to do something. I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want. I don't want to do this. There's always a struggle. Every single day, we have a battle to fight. And it's not even so much with the devil. It's with us. There is a struggle that we have to continue to press on. And with fasting, it will crucify the flesh. It will cause your soul to be crushed and submitted. And the thing that I wanted to really emphasize at this point is that our soul needs to be humble before the Lord. The scripture says in Luke chapter 14 verse 11 that whoever exalts 
himself will be humble, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We want to be humble before the Lord, and it's coming low before him, recognizing that without him, we can do nothing. Recognizing that it is him that gives us power to get well. That soul aspect, the egotistical side, the arrogant part, we all have to challenge, or more so, humble ourselves with fasting. There's in the book of Leviticus, um, chapter 16, verse 29 and, um, to 31, there's, there's something in there that the, the Israelites had to do, and it was on the Day of Atonement. Um, so the Israelites, the Israelites, they call it something called Yom Kippur. So it's an annual day that, they, that the Israelites, Israelites would, would fast and praise this, I believe they still do it today, and it's just to remember when the, when the, um, Moses went up to um, the mountain, and the children of Israel started to build the calf, how God had intervened and forgave, forgave them from that time. So it's, all, it's got that kind of connotation, but basically, in the Leviticus, chapter 16, verse 29, verse 31, it brings out the point about how they had to do a sacrifice. And when they had to do the sacrifice, one of the things that they had to do was to humble themselves. They had to afflict their souls. And when you afflict your soul, it's you actually humbling yourselves before God and recognizing what, who God is and recognizing that yours or your spiritual state of poverty. And in order for them to actually be forgiven, in order for them to actually be blessed, they had to actually recognize, they had to, um, number one, they had to fast and pray. They had to recognize their spiritual poverty. And it's the same thing with us here today. We, in, in order for us to obtain the full blessing, the full flow, we need to come to a place of humility in our hearts, recognizing our place before Him. Scripture, when you, when you read, 
in Paris, this is Rita Park. Um, no, I don't have it here, but basically, he could have actually got like an escortman. Um, he could have got soldiers to be escorted along that, that passage. But he said to the king, listen, man, God will protect us. And so what he done in, in, the, in verse 21, he actually proclaimed a fast. So he proclaimed a fast that God protect us to go on this long journey. This is no um, light journey by any means. And obviously, they didn't have the transportation that we have today, otherwise it would have been much quicker. But you, you could imagine the, the kind of um, pressure he was feeling. But the Bible says, like how he proclaimed a fast, and at the river that they may afflict themselves before God to seek him the right way, and, the, and, and, um, and for our little ones, and for all our substance, for I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers, of horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of God, our God, is upon all of them for good that seek, but the hand of God that is upon all of them for, for good that seek him. But his power and his wrath is against all them who forsake, who forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for his, for this. And he was, and he entreated us. So Ezra, so he called upon the Lord and basically, cutting that long story short, they were able to get from Babylon to Jerusalem because they called and they prayed and they cried out, they fasted. They afflicted their souls. They, they asked God to come and intervene in that situation. They prayed and they fasted. I want to emphasize another great thing here about how God intervened by prayer and fasting. Now, I don't know if, you, if some of you remember the king called Ahab. Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab was a wicked, one of the wickedest kings, but he, and he actually led the Israelites into idolatry, and they were, um, and his wife Jezebel was obviously influencing him in the wrong way because because of the kind of person she was. She was not, a, she was an evil person, and so I want to read from verse. Um, I'll start from verse 29. And it says that Ahab became king of Israel, and it was the 38th year that Asa was the king of Judah. And Ahab ruled over Israel in the Syria for 22 years. He was the son of Amuriah, and Ahab the son of Amuriah did what was evil in the sight of God, sight of the Lord. He did more evil things than any of the kings who ruled, who had ruled before him. He, he thought it was only a small thing to commit the sins of Joram, the son of Nebat, 
had committed. And Ahab also married Jezebel. She was the daughter of Ebedel's daughter. Ebedel's was the king of the people of Sidon. And Ahab began to serve a god named Baal and worshipped him. He sat, or he sat up on, on the altar to honor Baal. He set it up on the temple of Baal that he would build in Samaria. And Ahab also made a pole used to worship a female god named Ashtaroth. He made the Lord very angry, and Ahab did more to make him angry than all the kings of Israel had done before him. So here we see that he was a pretty wicked king, right? And he was actually like promoting um, idolatry. So I wanted to see, show you here that in, in um, later on in the book of Kings, how a pronouncement, a judgment was actually put over his nation because of this. So if we, if we go to verse 20. So verse 20 reads this. So my enemy, you have found me, this is Ahab, explained to Elijah. Yes, Elijah answered. I have come because you have sold yourself to what is evil in the Lord's sight. So now the Lord says, I will bring disaster on you and consume you. I'll destroy every one of your male servant descendants, slave and free alike, anywhere, anywhere in Israel. I'm going to destroy your family as I did the family of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and the family of Basha, the son of Hajar. For you have made me very angry and have led Israel into sin. And regarding Jezebel, the Lord says, dogs will eat Jezebel's body and the plot of the land in Israel. The members of the Ahab's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife. Jezebel, his worst outraging outrage was worshipping idols, just as the Amorites had done, and the people of the Lord who had driven out from the land ahead of the Israelites. But when Ahab heard this message, he tore his clothes, this is verse 27, he tore his clothes dressed in burlap and fasted, and he even slept in burlap and went down, uh, went about in a, in a deep morning. Then another message from the Lord came to Elijah. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has done this, I will not do what I promised during this lifetime. It will happen to his sons. I will destroy his dynasty. So I wanted to read all of that to emphasize how wicked this king was. But yet, he had the ability to cause God's hand of judgment to change 
because of the prayer and the fasting. He was a wicked king that had he had false and he was worshipping Baal. But he came before God and he humbled himself. He humbled himself before God. And he said he recognized that he was a sinner and he needed help. He needed God's intervention. And so, so it didn't come in his lifetime, but it came in his son's lifetime. So my point is, with prayer and fasting, with all these, these, lessons, these two lessons here, I want us to really pray and ask God to help us just to have the right standpoint, the right stance, that we're come, coming before God in humility. Because look, many of us have different, various situations in our lives, in our circumstances. If God is going to be doing it for somebody who's worshipping Baal and worshipping idols, how much more us, the children of the living God, who love God, why would God give us these things if we call upon Him, calling out to Him in prayer and fasting, in repentance? This is why it's so important. A very number of important points I forgot to mention. With humility, you never see in Scripture, God, can you help? Can you humble me? God, can you humble me? God, can you? You never see that. It's always with us. We are the ones that we have to humble ourselves. That's why the scripture says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. But I want to encourage you with this, that you and I can have the breakthroughs that we need in this time of prayer and fasting. And so with that, I want to pray for us. So if you just bow your heads where you are. Father, we want to thank you for your mercy today. We want to thank you for your love and your, for your divine intervention. Father, we come before you and we pray for every heart and every life and every individual in this place. Lord, I pray that you will continue to strengthen um, different ones here, Father, who have um, sought to want to just pray and fast and call upon you, Father. We just pray that you just continue to encourage and strengthen your people. And Father, the different things that different ones are praying for, along with the different things that church we're praying for, Father, we are just praying, Father, for your grace to continue to touch each person, to touch each individual, to strengthen each one. Father, help us to have the right mindset, the right mindset of walking in humility, walking in love, walking, Father, before you in a stance that is pure and holy. Father, help us to do everything in love as your scripture says. And Father, we are thanking you for, for grace, for strength, Lord, to call upon you. Lord, even as we are calling out to you for breakthroughs and for a revival in our land and in our nation and father for souls to be saved and father for there to be more zeal in our lives for you and father for you to just help us to fulfill the purposes 
Father, we are praying for more grace, Lord. Father, to call out to, towards you, Father, and to walk in humility and in obedience before you. Father, we thank you today, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.